Hello and welcome to the Body Track Academy, created by EPs for EPs. We'll cover all things clinical, business and personal growth to help you and the exercise physiology industry reach its potential. If you enjoyed this episode and find something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review and tell your friends to check it out. If you haven't already joined the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up, join our community of exercise physiologists and access more great content. Hi, welcome back to the Body Track Academy podcast. I'm joined today by Holly. Say hi, Holly. Hi, everyone. Uh, Holly is an EP uh, with us at Body Track, and we're going to talk today about uh, neurological conditions in the EP space. Before we jump in, though, a few questions, as usual, to get to know Holly. So first up, um, do you have a favorite band, musician, or song? Uh, at the moment, I definitely am a fan of Ziggy Alberts. I feel like that's going with the trends, but I feel like I really got on there early, so that's probably... <laughs> you discovered him. <laughs> yep. Um, he's probably one of my favorite artists, but I really listen to a lot of different music. My partner's a massive country music fan, so I also enjoy Ooh, that as sorry. well. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry for you. <laughs> um, all right. And are you a cat or a dog person? 100% a dog person. Haven't had any cat people so far, I don't think. Yeah, I think yeah. we're a, a dog team. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're not working as an exercise physiologist, what do you do? Um, at the moment, I'm doing some triathlon training, so I feel like that takes up a lot of my spare time. Um, but I also just love spending time with my family and friends. I have a new little nephew, so I like to go home and visit them and spend lots of time with him. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Let's get into it. So I guess first up, if you want to tell us a bit about how you got interested in neuro as your kind of area of special interest and expertise. Yeah, so when I was studying, um, I guess I was always pretty interested in the subjects that had the neurological conditions content um, and I found that it was something I didn't really need to try particularly hard on. I really enjoyed the content and I really found it was easy to learn. So that definitely led me down the track of wanting to learn more as I was studying. So I, I definitely sort of dove into that area a lot during uni. Um, and then I was fortunate enough during my final year, my second clinical placement, I requested to go to Making Strides, which is a spinal um, rehab center at the Gold Coast. Yeah. Um, and that really gave me, I guess, a massive insight that I had no idea about um, into what an exercise physiologist can do for people who have neurological conditions. Mm. Um, that clinic specifically has a lot of um, people who have spinal cord injuries. That's the primary thing they see there. Um, so I definitely got a lot of experience there and just realized that, wow, this is awesome. And it's definitely something that I want to do um, a lot more of and to see a lot more of. So that's probably how I sort of, um, I guess, found my passion for the neuro side of things. Yeah. And they're amazing. They are at hard, uh, hard to believe to do a placement there and not have it spark a passion. And an oh, interest. absolutely. Absolutely. I've spoken to quite a few people that have done a placement there and they're like, they're incredible. And the people there, like, they're, yeah, they're just awesome people and a good team. So um, I think they definitely foster that, like, awesome um, encouragement to get into that industry. And, yeah, it's really good. And at uni, I mean, it's awesome, like you say, that when you enjoy learning something, it comes a little bit more easily. How much neuro-specific content 
was in your course? There's definitely not as much as there is in, I guess, the main uh, domains of what we see as EP. Um, I know that we had a subject that was, I think it was called like musk and neuro rehab or something along those lines. So it covered both of those Mm. main things and it didn't do a lot of the the neuro side. It was probably more of the musk side. So there's not a lot of it. Um, I think at the QUT placement uh, clinics um, that they have on site there, we did see a little bit of Parkinson's. So that was really good to be able to see how that played out in a practical setting. Um, But there's definitely not that much theory. And I know that now um, as I see students come through, um, when they see us working with uh, clients who have neuro conditions, they're very interested to learn more because I just don't think they see it as much at uni. So they're pretty excited to have that opportunity to see a range of different conditions. Yeah. And if you hadn't have had that exposure during those placements, mm. then you could have gone through and graduated without really any. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't have had any, I guess, I wouldn't have realized as much how I can have such a big impact in that industry mm. or in that side of things um, if I hadn't have done that placement at Making Strides. So I think it makes a big, big difference really to um, to that. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned um, like spinal cord injuries. What other um, populations and conditions do you work with or can an exercise physiologist work with? Yeah, so I think probably the main few that we see are spinal cord injuries, um, things like Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis. Um, I also see quite a few people here with cerebral palsy. Um, We also see motor neurone disease, acquired brain injuries, stroke Um, It covers quite a a broad uh, range. We also do see, um, I guess, some of those areas that might be less uh, common or or not as well known, I guess. Mm. Um, Things like functional neurological disorders um, are a prominent area for EPs to work with. So, um, yeah, there's quite quite a variety. Yep. And do you think that this is like an area of population that, many exercise physiologists are working in or is it quite niche still at the Mm. moment? I think it's still relatively niche. Um, I think historically physios have played quite a big role and they definitely still do play a massive role and they're really important in that that side of things. Um, But I think with exercise um, and movement being medicine for a lot of these conditions, I think exercise physiology really has grown into its role within um, those conditions. Um, as I said, physios play a massive role in that, but when it comes to more of that chronic condition, mm. long-term health, um, exercise physiology makes a massive difference and we can really help people to be able to um, achieve their their functional physical goals um but also help on that rehab journey as well yeah yeah so I think I mean we know the role of an exercise physiologist and how important and beneficial that can be Mm. how have you gone about um explaining within these specific populations um the scope of an EP Mm. how it balances with physio um particularly with I don't know referrers or reaching the community where physio is all they have heard about yeah, I think for a lot of um a lot of the conditions, a lot of a lot of the time, I guess it's different for some because they're some are neurodegenerative and some are acquired sort of. Um, yeah. So it does it does change depending on the condition. But for someone who um 
may have had a spinal cord injury, for example, there's really that role for an acute um, period for them to be seeing a physio and OT, and that happens a lot in the inpatient setting. Yeah. Um, but I think as time goes on, maybe you know, nine, 12 months past, there is a big role for EPs to come into that and really help with building that next phase. So making sure that they have um, a focus on their cardiovascular health, their respiratory health, their overall strength. Um, We support a lot with functional tasks as well, like transfers and being able to um, have the capacity to be able to do that as well. Yeah. Um, so that's a clearer, you've got the yeah. acute and then you've got the long-term management. Yeah. It's a kind of easier differentiation. Mm. Yeah. And Absolutely. what about the neurodegenerative Yeah. So for things like MS and, and PD, I think that EPs have really a large role in that first phase. Um, and it's still something that I mean, I'm a massive advocate for people getting into these um, therapies and opportunities early in their diagnosis because it makes a massive difference. And that's where a lot of the research is showing to try and get into those therapies early. Um, But in terms of the role of a physio versus an EP in that, I think that there's definitely an opportunity to collaborate together through that whole process um, particularly with things like um, MS, there, there might be a lot of things in relation to chronic pain and spasticity and things like that, that they actually need some management from a physio that we can't provide. But yeah. then we're really making sure that they're reaching their physical activity levels because we know that exercise has some really good neuroprotective um, benefits and, and that high intensity working pretty hard is important. And um, that's really where we come into play in those sort of populations. And that is the same with with Parkinson's. They need to be working really hard and challenging themselves to be able to get those benefits for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So for some of the um, uh, more common conditions, Mm. what are the recommended timeframes for or when should uh, a client with those conditions come and see an EP? So for things like uh, Parkinson's, yeah, MS, yeah. Um, pretty much straight away. Like if someone, when from someone, diagnosis. Yeah, yeah, from diagnosis. So when someone's um, diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, for example, they really should be seeing an exercise physiologist straight away. Um, and I guess it's easy to say that, but when someone is diagnosed, there's a lot of things that are going on. It's probably the last thing it's on the their mind, thing. exercise. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think as soon as they can and as soon as they're ready as well to be able to start exercising, as long as they're provided with that education about how beneficial it is, often people that are diagnosed with Parkinson's really want to come and exercise because it's something that they can control and that they're able to, I guess, yeah, be in control of and they're able to really like say, no, I'm doing something active to help with my condition when you've just been told you've got a condition that you can't necessarily control or change or do much about it is something that you can absolutely and it's pretty empowering for them to know that and a lot of the time um they don't really realize the nitty-gritty of the benefits that really do go on with exercise for those conditions but um over time i think it's really important to provide them with education about those benefits and and how hard they need to be working and um and the importance of it really yeah, yeah. and the same ms mnd from yeah, diagnosis or absolutely as as yeah particularly with things like um well i guess both ms and mnd mnd is one of those ones that um i guess it's a lot 
faster in terms of its progression. So it is important for people to be exercising early in. Um, and same with MS. There's With MS, there's some really awesome research around the benefits of um, exercise for lots of different things. And there's actually some pretty good, um, I guess, research and support for managing symptoms like fatigue and things like that as well. And I know that historically um, people uh, who have been diagnosed with MS had been told not to exercise, but now it's very much not the case. Um, we're really encouraging people with exor- with MS to be working really hard. And, and obviously there's lots of things that we can do to make sure that they're not having a massive increase in symptoms and things like that from heat exposure and things like that as well um, when they're exercising. So I think once again, education for those populations is absolutely important. And if you can have an initial assessment with someone and get them to that um, contemplation stage and making sure that they know that, yep, this is good for me, I need to prioritise my health um, and exercise is a way that I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right. Well, ideal world, early from diagnosis, someone's come to see you. What might a session look like? Yeah. So um, once again, it varies a lot with different conditions, um, but an assessment, initial assessment obviously is how we decide what those sessions are going to look like. Um, and I think it's important as well to really make sure that you're setting those expectations from the start. Like if I, if I have someone with Parkinson's coming in, Um, and they haven't done a lot of exercise before, I'm going to be telling them that they're going to be working hard and they need to be committed to daily movement. And if they're not um, at that, it's really important to make sure that you're continuing that education and and making sure that you're giving them the tools to to be able to, um, I guess, be independent with some of that exercise because obviously you're not going to be exercising with them one-on-one every day. Um, it might only be once a week or sometimes even once a fortnight, but those sessions are challenging and it is pretty much consistent across all of those neuro conditions that they're going to be working hard. So there are going to be different focus points for all those conditions. For example, with um, our Parkinson's clients, we're really trying to focus on um, exercise to help them manage a lot of their motor condition, uh, motor symptoms. Mm-hmm. So if someone's struggling with um, freezing and their gait pattern, the exercises are going to be specific to that. Um, if there's postural changes, we're going to be focusing on that. And a lot of the exercise is pretty um, powerful and big and we try and get loud and vocal with the sessions as well. Um, so, yeah, whereas someone that's uh, has a spinal cord injury, it might be um, – the initial assessment, you might be focusing on those first few goals of being comfortable in the clinic space and um, starting to practice a bit more upper limb strengthening for transfers or some seated balance work and things like that. So it's very varied, but um, it is very tailored and very specific to their goals and to their condition. Yeah, yeah, and I think we'll we'll obviously do some um, more specific chats on mm. each uh, each condition. Yeah. Talk about assessments and then talk about uh, session structure and inclusions and yeah, stuff, and go absolutely. into a lot more detail. Hey, yeah, and I think another one that we're planning to do is um, a big chat around setting expectations. Yeah, yeah, it's something that I always talk about. Yep. I love it, and it makes such a, an impact. So I'm glad that you touched on that there as well yeah it's it's so important and it makes yeah it makes the long-term I guess commitment to exercise 
a, a big approach. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So for, uh, say, a fourth-year uni student or um, EPs in their first or second year out that may not have been working with these populations or know much about it, what's one or two key messages that you would like to get across? Yeah, so I think there's some really um, some really great things that you can do if you are interested in working in that population or in a certain um, neuro conditions um, or if you just are at a practice where you are seeing um, people with PD or MS or whatever it may be more often. Um, my biggest thing would be to try and get as much CPD in as you can. I think, um, well, I know that there are some really awesome courses out there um, Any that you've that have, done? That yeah, so there's two that out? really stand out to me. The one that for Parkinson's that I've done is PD Warrior, and that's something that um, is pretty well known now. It's um, yeah, really been strong uh, in the media, and it has some awesome um, practical implications or practical tips that you can use, and it it really I think opens your eyes to what people with Parkinson's can do. Um, so that's an awesome course. So I definitely recommend that one. And the one that I would also, another one that I'd also recommend is the MS Get a Head Start course. Um, that's a course that's run by a lady, Gilly Davies, and she um, uh, provides a really good structure to how to help someone who's recently been diagnosed with MS. And that's what the program is about Mm. but also gives really good resources and really good information on practical things for education because that's a massive part of that first phase of being diagnosed you know like is it safe for me to exercise how hard can I push myself if I'm um, struggling with uh, heat what can I do you know like really practical tips so that's definitely another course that I would would do Um, and there's plenty of podcasts and plenty of um, like uh tutorial sort of sessions, webinars. Um, There's a clinic um, called Advanced Rehab Centre. They do a lot of really great works and they have some pretty good webinars and things like that um, that is good to go to as well. So there's great resources out there. You just got to get in in and find them because they do often, you know, talk about others as well like we are right now. So yeah. 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 Well, we'll pop links to a couple of those that you've mentioned in the show notes for everyone as well. Um, so keep going. You were saying, yeah, if you are interested, get as much CPD and education as you can. Yes. Sorry. I went off on a tangent there. So, um, as much CPD and education as possible. And then I think just, um, the other thing is just making sure that you're able to foster hope and be as empowering as possible as you can be to the people you're seeing with these conditions, because a lot of the time it's a big shock or it's a massive change to their life. And, you can really um, give them a lot of um, hope and empowerment and and really like a positive thing going forward. So I think if you're really trying to foster that, then that makes a massive difference in their overall quality of life because that's what exercise physiology is really about for those that population. Yeah, and acknowledge that you're working with them yeah. during such a difficult Absolutely. time and take on yeah. That yep. opportunity to make yeah, it positive for sure yeah there's a lot of um the biopsychosocial side of things is massive when working with with uh, anyone in that population 
Yeah. Well, that'll probably be an, another another chat yes, that we do. Yes, definitely. All right. Well, we will wrap up this little intro on um, neuroexercise physiology and Holly will be back in, like I said, to talk more specifically about a few of those conditions. But thanks for your, your time and good to chat, Holly. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Body Track Academy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and found something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, and tell your friends to check it out. If you're not already in the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up. Join our community of exercise physiologists and access more great content.